0: Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We have the most special guest today because it is my Martha May Hopkins. Uh, I don't know when I started calling Martha. Well, I don't know when I started calling you Martha May, but for some reason I think it, I say it, it's not her name, but people don't need to know that, okay? Now, Martha Hopkins she's here to talk to us about publishing and agenting and book producing and editing and really her entire career but first we're going to talk about how we got to know each other and thank you. martha is by the way so damn busy all the time i can't believe i got her to talk to us for 45 minutes or an hour hello martha
1: hello denise how are
0: you doing honey uh, you know what i'm better now that i get to see you
1: (laughs) i feel the exact same way it has been way too long
0: way too long now of course you know i have i have to spend all day long wasting away and puttering and not doing much so that's my excuse you actually work i have to tell people a little background martha had been working at an old publishing house And if I tell this wrong, Martha, you correct it. But one of our best friends, they decided to write
1: and publish their own book. This is
0: what Martha. How many years ago now?
1: Well, it was 1996, and I have trouble subtracting dates. Okay, so 1996
0: is good enough. Now, they put it together. The book is amazing. Okay, and they put it together. And someone that you had hired out of New York contacted me and said they're going to get on all these TV shows. And they'll come and with that's how I think we first met. You came to my kitchen and we I did a little media training with you.
1: Yes, you saved our lives. We had gotten booked on everything, everything in the universe except for Oprah. And sadly, and I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. We were terrible public speakers. We were just like, oh my God. But since we had self-published, we're like, well, we need to get it together because we've got all this money we're going to have to pay back. So we really need to sell these books. And we had found out about you and we fly out there and we got some sort of makeover on Rodeo Drive or something ridiculous. I don't know. Anyway, and I just remember showing up at your commercial kitchen. We knock on the door and you show up and you're you, you know, just love and we're like oh my god and then you start asking us questions we don't know the answer to anything and all that is going to be asked to us every single tv show we're on so you quickly you know teach us what to say and you show us what to make and then you go style the stuff for the first national tv show that we have the next morning at like 8 a.m and we're off to the races thanks to you now let me
0: tell people in case they don't know, because it's a famous book in the industry. Famous. It is. It's called Intercourses, an aphrodisiac cookbook. Now people, Cindy will put up the picture on in your, when we advertise that you're going to be on the podcast. Because if people don't know you, Martha, they know the cover of your book. Okay. Now, if people don't understand, and because this is one of the things we're talking about, this book has sold over its life, Martha, what, 400,000
1: copies? Not quite that much, about 325,000, okay. but still a yeah. nice clip. Now, let me tell people don't understand. I have worked
0: with authors that have television shows that have uh, that end up on the New York Times bestsellers list, and people rave about it. And you found out that they sold 41,000 books, and that got them on the New York Times bestsellers Okay, so people numbers are so skewed in books, and half the time, people that win—and I'm not saying—but some people have won a James Beard Award, and you find out their book sold eight thousand copies. Okay, so numbers of sales. So here's this book, Martha. I remember we—you got on everything, and one of the best shows was we got on Lisa.
1: You got that was was literally our first one. And she was very gracious and just kind of put us at ease. And it was wonderful. And you styled all that for us, and just you were standing on the side, like cheering us on. Thank God.
0: Proud of you. And Randall, we have to mention Randall. Randall, who is of the biggest dog. Now, here's the part that people might be amazed by. So they put the whole book together themselves. Martha was an editor, Randall's been a graphic designer. I'm talking, they took the pictures, uh, groundbreaking pictures. And if people don't know that, there has been a 10-year anniversary book of intercourses. But I have to tell you, when I got the book, before I'd met this gorgeous, sweet-faced child (laughs) with an accent from Memphis who called me ma'am and stuff, when I saw these pictures, I thought, god this is erotica and at that time it was groundbreaking Martha and they're just beautiful food photographs if you haven't seen it I'm sorry for you You have to go and buy a copy but here's the recent it was groundbreaking so groundbreaking in fact one of the oldest food stylists in the world I think she's stuffed now and she's in the Smithsonian <laughs> yes right next to trigger right next to Roy Rogers trigger but when she found out I don't know how she snubbed me most of my life when she found out that we were friends she called me and said I have to tell you something I think that's the most beautifully styled book I ever saw now this is a woman who didn't have a nice word to say about anybody and she loved your book and that's when I knew that you had really created a masterpiece you just had a a dream
1: well we had so much fun doing it you know all the so we were 25, I guess, when we did it and all the images are food set on the backdrop of the human body and we had no money. And it was also before digital cameras. How old am I? I just turned 50. Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, so there were no digital cameras. And so I just got a Polaroid and I literally walked around the streets of Memphis and Randall and I had already kind of envisioned what each food would be. we had asparagus or pine nuts or whatever, avocado. And I would walk up to somebody that I thought had whatever body part I needed and say, hey, uh, you know, you have a great neck or back or whatever it was that I needed. You know, would you be interested in posing for my cookbook? And I'm not a very intimidating person. So they would usually say, sure. And then I would say, great. Would you mind meeting me in the bathroom and like taking off? whatever clothes are needed so that I can actually take a picture of it and then they would do it like every single one of them did it I don't know why it seems crazy then I would mail the picture snail mail to Randall and say here's what I think we should use for pine nut girl or whatever so that's how those came to be it's amazing it's a
0: famous cover of a woman with strawberries anyway and so then Martha years later I'm in Europe And there is your book translated into a
1: different language with that image. Oh, yeah, it was really crazy. I was working for Wimmer at the time, and we were going to BEA, Book Expo America, which is the largest book fair in the country. And my boss was nice enough to let me sneak Randall in, and then I would take 10-minute breaks every hour instead of a whole entire lunchtime. And then Randall would go around and set up appointments with people. So we were needing a printer, we were needing a distributor for the book trade, we were needing a distributor for the gift trade, and we had created this sort of see-through case that he carried around that had the pictures, so you could see it. Anyway, so we go meet with the printer, the Chinese printer that I had hoped to work with, and they had been nice enough to give me prices, even though I didn't really know what I was asking for. Then we showed them the book mock-up which the book wasn't even written or anything. We just had about 16 pages mocked up. And they said, hey, wait a minute. Do you mind if we show this to somebody? And we said, sure. So they walk away and they come back and they bring the publisher of Hamlin Octopus, which is a division of Reed Elsevier, which is one of the largest publishers in the world. And they said, we would like to buy the rights to this for England and Australia. And we're like, oh my God, great. Okay, so that was it. We sold it. And then we sold some rights to Germany. We sold a lot of the photography rights to various countries for various things. It was really fun. It was like one of the most exciting days of my life because we got book distribution. We got trade uh, gift distribution and we sold that book and we landed our printer. It was all just during those couple of days. It was just so exciting. I can't explain it really. Of course it was.
0: One of the things is, Martha, is it was different. It was a new idea. It was something entirely different. Do you remember when you came to dinner at one of my publisher's dinners at ICP, and the president of the publisher's dinner kind of said, oh, hi, nice. You know, and he was very polite, invited us, was treating all of us. I said, can I bring my dear friend, Martha Hopkins? And he said, sure. We all went around the table, and when you introduced who you were, his mouth fell open. Because everyone in the industry has heard this, you know, heard about how this book sold this many <laughs> copies. That
1: was one of the funnest nights. I had so much fun. I've had so many fun nights with you, Denise, that it's just. We've had some good times. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> the book is a huge success, and you quit your jobs.
1: Yeah. In fact, um, so what happened? I had this job at Wimmer, and I lived in Memphis. Randall lived in Waco. We had gone to school there. And we were working so hard on it. And I did not want to move to Waco, did not want to move, did not want to move. And I kept my apartment and my um, car in Memphis. And then I went for a temporary stay in Waco. And my boss had given me a six week leave of absence, the president of the company. And then after the six weeks, I didn't go back. And I, I wanted to, I didn't want to stay in Waco for sure but we were just, we had a lot going on. The book was working. And so he'd call like every few weeks. So when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I was like, oh, I'm coming back. I'll be back. I just kept saying that. And then finally, after like six months, he said, are you coming back? And I said, yes. And he said, you know what? No, you're not. You're fired. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. (laughs) Cause I just didn't have the guts to do it. But like, I didn't have the guts to just like cut the strings. And I was like, thank you so much. And he said, you know, you can go back anytime you want. And I didn't, but I was always so grateful to him for uh, being encouraging and being accommodating. I was so grateful for him for that.
0: Sometimes Martha, successful women on this podcast,
1: there are prevailing
0: themes. Some of them are, it's just that people just would say things like, I got fired from my job. So it made me move on to something else. Do you know what I mean? Or, or fate intervenes sometimes and takes care of us. So you didn't want to quit your job because you're a smart girl that grew up saying, you don't quit a perfectly good job. And then here you struck out and did something which has
1: provided you an entire
0: career for the last 26
1: years. Yeah. And I will say, I've had a lot of people go, oh my God, you know, it's so amazing. You sold that or you're, you're so great, whatever. But anyone that says that about themselves, they are just forgetting the role that luck is playing in all of this. We had a good idea and had good timing. And a lot of things came together. We worked very hard. We did all that. But you still just have these breaks or you have these people that help you that shouldn't help you that have no reason to help you. And they do anyway. That's what makes it then happen. Not Everything else that you've done, I just, that's just something that's super important to me.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. There are moments, I think, I know in my life where it's like, I I don't want to say it was God, but all of a sudden it's like someone just put their finger down and created a miracle for me. Do you know what I mean? It it may have been a small miracle to someone else, but to me it changed, you know, it made a huge difference in my career or in my life. That's all. Totally. Amazing. Now, so here with the success of the book, I happen to know then you became you guys, you and Randall set up a business. Martha uh, and Randall were partners in my book, Do It For Less Parties, meaning they designed it. Martha is the most incredible marketeer. I ended up on QVC. We ended up selling books on QVC. I got a mention in People Magazine. I mean, a million different great things came from me from Terrace partners. Now, Martha, of all the things you've done, I know you've done editing. I know you've done book packaging. I know you've done agenting. What do you like doing the
1: best with cookbooks? Mm. (laughs) That's a tough one Um, because I like so many of the components. I mean, I love cookbooks. I have zillions of them. I read them. I cook from them. And I do work with other genres, but I just... I don't know. I, you know, it's fun to come up with a concept and to help an author or publisher or whoever sort of walk through that and shape it into something. I used to get loads of pleasure out of editing. Now, if I need to do it and I sit down and I focus, there's definitely a sense of accomplishment, but it's not really. I'd rather be having coffee and talking about books mm-hmm. <laughs> than actually editing them at this point. But I have a great appreciation for editing. I think that agenting is fun because, again, you're, you're talking about a book concept from the very, very beginning. You're really trying to shape it and stay true to the, what's important to the author while also creating a book that will sell yes. to publishers. And then that will sell to end consumers. And I think one thing that's sort of different about what I'm bringing to the table is just that I've gone through this process from the very first idea all the way through distribution and marketing. And so many people are in various silos, like they're in the development part or they're in the writing and editing or they're running on, working on the art direction or they're in sales and distribution or they're in marketing. And so I've had to wear all of those hats multiple times, but definitely for the giant kickoff with my own book that was still in print. And so I have a really big picture sense, and I've always understood that distribution is the most important thing. And literally no one thinks about that. I don't know why. And there is so much money that is cut out of what you're going to get if you're the either person, the publisher or self-publisher, by distributors and wholesalers. And that is just such an important part of the picture. And they have to be behind the book or it doesn't work, no matter who the publisher is, Random House or whoever. I've learned a lot of
0: this from you, Martha. And this is the part in today's marketplace. I say it all the time to people. When we've helped people with their books, So we've done the styling. Cindy and I've done the styling, or we've done, we've helped them flesh out their recipes so they have enough for a book. While I'm working on it, and these are wonderful people, do you know what I mean, and great chefs and they've got some talent stuff. But inside, I think to myself, they're only going to sell 500 books to their family to the one, maybe 10 on a radio show that they, you know, uh, speak at, but people don't realize how hard it is to
1: sell those books. It is, it is. And there are so many reasons to do a book. And most of the reasons it really shouldn't be to make money. I mean, you can make money, but statistically you won't. If you have the means and you want to do a book and a publisher isn't taking you, then self-publishing is great. Mm-hmm. Or even if you work with a publisher, they may be giving a really tiny advance, but it may still be worth it for you to do that. I had one client who, an author, and they have a company, and I knew it wasn't really going to sell as a, to a regular publisher. And so it went with a publisher that just pays these microscopic advances, just embarrassing. (laughs) You would never tell anyone. (laughs) They're just ridiculous, Uh, which means there's literally no money for me, but colleague, whatever, I did it. And the thing is, is they basically got a free book out of it in the sense that they ended up with a four color coffee table book. They got this tiny advance, but they didn't have to print it themselves. They didn't design it themselves. They didn't distribute it. They got it. They got it out there and they got this finished product that worked to promote their company, which was the goal. They wanted like a great marketing piece and it's a great marketing piece. And it also allowed them to get a whole new run of marketing on their, they have these annual events and this is just something else that they could add in and pitch that book. And it was newsworthy to people at that, at that time. So it fulfilled their goal in spades, even though it didn't uh, get them a lot of money.
0: You have brought up a fabulous point
1: that a book,
0: I mean, I always think of books when I wrote the books that I wrote, I wrote them because yeah, they gave me credentials, but mostly with all all the books. What it created for me is I got to travel because people hired me because I'd written books. So I got to see the world. And without those books, I wouldn't have been picked up by the clients that I had. And now when I look back, and now with is books more difficult than ever in some ways to get published? I'm sure that's gotta be the question that you're asked. Some of the advances that I sneered at in those days were actually very healthy advances. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I would also encourage people you know, I understand that it feels good to write a book. Some people feel compelled. They've got something to say. I never really had anything to say. I just needed to do something. And we came up with our idea, but I've not written really any more books since, because I, like I said, I have nothing to say other than what I'm saying on this podcast, I guess. (laughs) But um, what I would say is, So some people feel compelled to do a book. Some people think it's going to bring validity and it does bring some validity to what you do. But also if you do have a really small advance, I mean, you have to weigh that out with, if it's worth it, you don't have to do a book. It's fine. Is it going to add to what you're trying to accomplish in the bigger picture? Or is it just going to like kill you because you're trying to do your regular job and your blog and raise your kids or whatever, and then do a book on top of that in six months time. Just don't feel like you have to do it. And it won't necessarily close all doors in the future if you turn something down.
0: Martha and I were roommates at IACP. People, I always say it, it's the International Association of Culinary Professionals. Um, cooking teachers are members of ICP, it's always been a networking group. And Martha and I would always meet up at the conference, and Martha and I were roommates. And Martha, one of the things that I always think of is that when people, which you speaking to what you were just saying, people have gotten in this frenzy thinking, if they've been in food for a long time, that they should write a cookbook. Do you know what I mean? And then At ICP, all sorts of people cropped up and I know you know some of them and I mean, but I was invited to have drinks with an example of what you're talking about with a publisher because I had written a celebrity book that had done well and they wanted me to kind of, cheatingly write that book again for them do you see what I'm saying almost the same subject matter change their recipes a little bit and they were going to give me like so little money do you know what i mean and they would have made some money but it was like this sneaky kind of really scummy sort of thing that showed up and i see people sometimes on facebook saying things like should i write this cookbook i was offered you know two dollars and fifty cents but i have to give my 150 recipes and play for my own groceries and everything do you think that it's a good deal and i always say to them what are you gonna get now you have to decide is a cover of a book with your name on it worth that
1: yeah and often it's not and you just feel like oh my gosh they want me they want me and that's fine but just Make sure that you have the bandwidth to do it and that the outcome will be worth it. Um, and don't stress if it's not. The very first thing as an agent that a publisher or an editor asks me about a potential author is, well, what what's their platform? How many people follow them on Instagram? And literally, <laughs> it's like one of the very first things they almost always ask Then I'll have people come to me and they say, oh, you know, I've got a pretty good following of 5,000 people. That's literally zero. (laughs) It's nobody. And well, it is if the people that are following them are actually influencers or journalists or something like that. But in general, that's a tiny amount. And they say, well, how many do I have to have? And I'm like, I don't know. There's no secret number. Um, If you have 60,000, that's better. If you have 200,000, that's even better. But then they think, oh my God, I've got to go out and grow my audience. Yes, you need to increase your platform, but are you really going to be able to go from 5,000 to 200,000 without, I don't know what form of effort or again, luck, of somebody just picking you up and retweeting you or reposting you. So I say, and they say, Oh, I'll start a blog. I'm just like, don't start a blog. If you haven't started a blog, just don't start it. Just don't let your life be run by this idea that you're going to have to go out and start something where you're basically writing a magazine article every week for the rest of your life. If you've got one, great. And you can build the numbers. Great. Great. But if that's not your thing, pick a different way to build your platform. I
0: couldn't agree with you more. And that's the first thing people always say to me. I don't have that big of an Instagram following. So how would I get a book published? I said, well, I think that you have to, one, you know, I think speaking to someone like you, Martha, because, then I know, because I send people to you often and you're so gracious with your time. It's not just numbers. I think your book idea needs to be different. I think you need to set yourself apart. The greatest amount of anything happening right now is TikTok. oh yeah you see it that's so far removed from me do you know what I mean I've watched one or two of them and they actually made me gag so I haven't come back somebody took their kitchen counter and put refried beans smashed down no plates okay so that's nice that's a nice visual then they poured Tortilla cups on top of that. Then they poured sauce on top of that. Then they put uh, sprinkles of cheese. I'm talking this is six feet a counter with all this crap on it. And she said, it's a nachos party. And she, with her long fake nails, (laughs) dug into that with the nacho and ate it. And her, you know, some boyfriend came in who was a, a mess and they ate those nachos. It got like 10 million hits and people but i read the comments and it said things like this is a great idea and that's why i know that i'm too old <laughs> 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 was look at that and think sanitation is disgusting presentation is disgusting god i hope her dog wasn't sitting on that counter before she started to make the nachos because she looks like the person that would let her dog sit on the counter before she
1: the cat walking through it
0: yes and i was just utterly horrified and i read the other people's comments People said oh this is so smart oh this is you don't have to wash the dishes i mean people say comments like that and i think to myself somebody shoot me
1: yes i have seen more than a few of those it is it is truly stunning. They are not, however, contacting me to be their agent. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's okay. <laughs> you got that right. Now
0: I'm wondering, Martha, I want to come back and do a part two with you because you have some valuable information i'm going to ask you more questions about agenting in particular and so i need to thank people for listening if people want to contact martha martha's information will all be on our facebook pages and of course we're on all the places that cindy has put the podcast (laughs) of which she's kind enough to on my phone just gave me a button so i don't even have to pretend i just hit the button and there's my podcast because grandma gets confused with all those different formats um i think i just made that perfectly clear in my tiktok story so anyway if you want to reach us you contact us at women beyond uh women beyond at icloud.com and we will answer any questions for you so miss martha we're going to come back in a minute and we're going to call part two Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Miss Cindy.